This is Youpreneur FM, the official podcast of the Youpreneur Mastermind Community, a place where no entrepreneur gets left behind in their pursuit of building a business they can be proud of. And now, and now, here's your host, serial entrepreneur and best-selling author, Chris Ducker. Chris Ducker. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 238 of Youpreneur FM, the go-to spot. This is the place for you to learn proven practical strategies on how to build a successful business based around your personal brand and the people that you want to serve and help the most. I'm your host, Chris Ducker, and it's a real pleasure for you to be inserting me into your eardrums again. Thank you very, very much. Now, this week, got a great conversation with my good friend, John Acuff. John is the author of multiple books, and uh, actually his newest book, Finish, is what I'm going to be talking with him about today. For me, probably one of the best books I've read so far this year. And I'm a big reader. I do two or three books a month. However, before we get cracking, just a quick reminder that Youpreneur FM is brought to you by the Youpreneur Mastermind community, the premier online community for entrepreneurs wanting to build a profitable, sustainable business based around their experience and those that they want to serve. Community members get exclusive access to our acceleration training library, which includes everything you'll need to know to build, market, and monetize a successful business. And couple that together with our monthly mastermind calls, discounted tickets to our live events, and access to our enthusiastic, supportive member-only forums, and you've got everything you need to succeed. If you're serious about building the business of you, as I call it, and in the most rewarding profitable way possible, then you must join us. So be sure to head over to youpreneur.com forward slash mastermind today for more info. So on to my chat with John Acuff. Now, I got a question for you. Have you ever started a project with the best of intentions and were really excited about it, but Somewhere along the line, towards the finish line, you kind of quit and gave up. Maybe you got a bit of squirrel syndrome as an entrepreneur and you started focusing on something else. Or maybe it was just something as simple as you lost energy or, or, or you lost interest in whatever it was you started. This is something that so many of us entrepreneurs, myself included, quite frankly, struggle with way more regularly than we would probably be honest and own up to. And John has written a book entitled finish that I believe is going to change this for all of us that struggle with starting and following all the way through to the finish line, whatever it is that we're working on. It doesn't matter if it's an online course, the publication of a podcast, putting on a live event, getting your dream speaking gig, whatever. It doesn't matter. A lot of us struggle with this, and I invited John to come on to break down the book and really look at the content of the book step by step so that we can take away lots and lots and start to hit that finishing line ourselves more regularly. Here's that chat. So, John, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, sir. A real pleasure. Now, why do we have a... I was just going to get straight into this <laughs> because I've got a feeling there's going to be so much gold in these there hills um, in the next 20 to 30 minutes. And I don't want to waste any time here. Why do we have problems, particularly, I think, as entrepreneurs? And I know that you serve a lot of entrepreneurs in your community. Why do we have issues finishing things? Let's get to the brunt of it right out of the gate. 
Well, starting is infinitely easier. Right. Um, it, it just is. And it's fun. Um, and our culture tends to glamorize the start. We say things like, well begun is half done. Um, or right. <laughs> the hardest part of any journey is the first step. And that's just not true. And so I think we glamorize it. We overfocus on it. We celebrate it. Um, and then we are surprised that the middle is so difficult. Mm. Uh, and so I think it's a it's a combination of those. And I mean, that's why we, you know, we have so many New Year's resolutions that usually die by February. I just think it's easy and it's sexy and it's colorful. I mean, it's kind of like people ask me all the time, where should they focus their social media money? And they never like my answer is email. But email, like social media is sexy and fun and colorful, but email is still what, what works best. Mm-hmm. So starting easy, fun, sexy, whatever but not what actually gets the goal done. Right, exactly. And I mean, if we if we go back in time a little bit here, a few years ago, you obviously wrote Start, Punch Fear in the Face, Escape Average, Do Work That Matters. Um, and you went through sort of this, this five-point uh, process, I guess, of learning, editing, mastering, harvesting, and guiding your way to actually start whatever it was you wanted to start and not having to wait until a certain period in your life to do so great book everybody tuning in make sure you grab it um but now with finish coming out give yourself the gift of done i think this is just a topic that is so needed today more than pretty much anything else that I've come across in the last couple of years in terms of a journal, a book, something to to read through and to hold your hand and make sure that you actually get this finished and get this done. Because I don't I don't think I come across an entrepreneur, or I don't think a week rather, that goes by where I don't come across an entrepreneur that is saying, I've got all these ideas, I start one, and then you know you get a kind of squirrel syndrome kicks in, and you look in another direction, and you start another one, and then another, and another, and you never finish anything. This has become it's, it's an epidemic. We're not finishing what we're starting. Well, and it's an epidemic too. The the way I like to say it is, we live in a world of bottomless opportunities and endless distractions. Hmm. Uh, and so that's you know, and people go, well, I'm busy, and then you know, at least in America, the average American watches 34 hours of TV a week. Um, so I mean, even incredible amount of time, it's mad. Yeah, it's a full-time job. It's a full-time job. And so, you know, even I like to kind of, one of the jokes I like to talk about is our definition of binge changed, you know, 20 years ago, the word binge was a negative term to describe people Mm -hmm. that overdid it. Now, if you go to Barnes and Noble, a big bookstore, it'll say there's a category of TV called binge worthy TV. 20 years ago, if you went into a blockbuster video and rented seven movies on a Saturday, even the teenage cashier would go, is everything okay? Like, <laughs> that's a lot of movies. Right. Or like, if you came to work and said, I didn't leave the couch, I binge watched TV, they go, do you want to talk to HR? Now, when you tell somebody, I binged watched an entire series, they recommend another series. Right. They go, oh, you've got to watch Orange is the New Black, you've got to watch House of Cards. And so, I think that, I mean, that's why I'm excited about this book, is that if you said to me, hey, John, you sure are tall and handsome. I'd be like, thank you. And then you were like, hey, how do I stand out at work? How do I stand out in life? I, I would say you learn how to finish things that matter because that makes you a unicorn. Indeed it does. Now, let me ask you this. I'm, well, I'm going to make a horrible assumption here, and you can shoot me down on my own show if I am incorrect here, but I'm going to assume you didn't necessarily think you were going to be writing a book called Finish when 
start became a New York Times bestseller. I mean, was this planned or? No, no, okay. it wasn't. All right. <laughs> I, you know, I'm sure you say the same thing to entrepreneurs or writers. I always say, find something you're really curious about that people actually need. Mm. And so this book came up, came about because readers over the years would come up to me and they'd say, hey, no offense, I like to start, but I've never had a problem starting. I can start a million things. I never actually get any of them done. What'll I do? And I started to have people go, you know, I've got a hundred URLs registered on GoDaddy, or I've got all these half-written books. And in my own life, it was the same way. I've I probably only read ten percent of the books I owned at the time. And and this year, I'll I'll read 156 books because I learned. Okay, here's some simple ways to finish. So yeah, I just I wasn't planning to write it. I'm not smart enough to know when I wrote start that I'd write finish. Right. It's just the the need felt very genuine and it felt well and the other thing is that the kind of three things i tell people are i say find something you're curious about find something people need and find something that's missing and the goal setting books that are on the market a lot of them not all of them certainly but a lot of them are very boring and they write to you like you're a robot mm -hmm. you know like here's the logical thing to do but i i love somebody's quote i don't know who said it but they said if if we were logical as a people group People magazine wouldn't sell more copies than time, you know, and so like I really felt like, wow, not only do people need it, but the the options are really boring or really kind of, you know, logic based only. Mm -hmm. Indeed. OK. All right. So give us a little bit. I mean, my 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 whole thing here is that. I want to get to the point where I help my audience and I know you guys are tuning in right now and I know that you're stuck somewhere you're stuck with a goal or a project or a focus whatever it is and i want to today as you're listening to this whether it be right on the day it comes out or a year from now it doesn't matter i want john and myself to help you get past that particularly obviously the focus being on john here and and to finish what you've been working on for a while finish whatever you've been struggling with and to move on to the next project and so on and so on and so on so john can you give us a little bit of a sneak peek here, I think, on the contents of this book. Can you break it down a little bit, bit by bit, in the next 10 minutes or so? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think the, the first thing I need to say is um, the book kind of mixes humor with research. I had a researcher from a local university approach me and say, hey, I want to study what you do and to see if it works. And prior to that, I was operating under the great, like, say whatever you want on the internet and hope it's true kind of clause of 2003. <laughs> right. And so we studied nearly 900 people over a six-month period as they worked on goals so that I could say, hey, here's what works, here's what doesn't work. And a big part of this, Chris, was attacking the commonly said but never backed up statements about goal setting. So one of those would be you have to have a massive goal. you got to have a huge, you know, aim for the moon, and even if you'll fail, you'll land amongst the stars. But that's just not how life really works. Most people aren't satisfied with the stars. Most people grade on a pass-fail when it comes to their goals. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the ideas we found out was that having a small more achievable goal that builds toward a big one is way better than having this crazy goal. Love um, that. And what's, what's fun to me, so here's the example that's easy for your listeners to think about. If you say to me, I want to lose 10 pounds, and you go and you try in your time frame and you only lose eight, you don't feel good about the eight. You feel like I failed by two and you don't try another month. 
But if I say to you, cut your goal in half and try to lose five pounds, and then if you lose eight, the same eight pounds, you one by three and you try another month. There you go. That that was, you know, when we when we studied that, you know how research is. You want a 5%, you know, 10% improvement. That's gigantic. When we studied that, people who cut their goals in half were 63% more successful. I love so the fact that you the- bring that up because, I'm sorry to cut you off, but just literally maybe a year or so ago, I wrote a blog post which was entitled something along the lines of why small small goals matter more than big ones or something of that fact. And for you guys tuning in, we'll link to that in the show notes because it, it it's so important, I think, to cut down those bigger goals. I mean, I... I tend to reverse engineer my goals each year. I think of the one big, hairy, scary one and then break it down quarterly, monthly, and so on and so on. Um, But I think I'm so happy that you bring it up, that you start with more manageable, more achievable goals right out of the gate. Well, and again, it's not – people don't like it because it's not sexy. Like that's not – you know, we love to have – like you got to have a crazy goal, but – my, my favorite thing now that I've done research is I get to go, that's fine. Just show me your research study. And like nine, 99% of people are like, well, I saw it painted <laughs> on a gym wall. And you're like, right. oh, okay. I think Abraham Lincoln said it. Oh, sure, sure. So yeah, I'd say right out of the gate, you got to have small goals. I'd say another thing that, that's really interesting is we, we, we have to get really deliberate about what I call the day after perfect. Um, because we want perfect goals, we sometimes don't like to admit that they're not going to be perfect. Sure. And we, you know, if you ask somebody in a 30 day period, if there's three parts to a goal, the beginning, the middle, the end, how do you break it down? Most people go, the beginning's like the first 10 days, the middle is the middle 10 days, and the end is the last 10 days. And what it really breaks down is the beginning is day one, and then day two through 29 are the middle, and day 30 is the finish. And we found people tend to change and drop out of their goal on day two. It doesn't take till day 10. Hmm. It's because that's when the work shows up. It's easy to be excited about that first thing. I mean, I'm sure you and I both read a lot of uh, Derek Sievers. He's absolutely brilliant. Love Derek. I think he's, yeah, so one of the things he pointed out, there's been all these studies that if you tell somebody your goal the wrong way, like if I say to you, Chris, I'm going to run a marathon or Chris, I'm going to start a business. People pre-congratulate you. They go, good for you. I couldn't start a business. I've always wanted to. And your body releases dopamine and it's just enough for you to be satisfied and not actually do the goal. So like a big part of that, like that's why you fail on day two is because day one, everybody said, you're so brave. Way to start a business. And then, and then day two, you actually have to do the work. So that's a big part of it too is getting ready for what I call the day after perfect because sure. it's coming. Sure. And so, I mean, how can we, I mean, if we're, if we're in the process of wanting to get real serious about this, how can we start, I mean, are there any particular sort of tactics that you use or maybe you teach your, your community and your students and customers and whatnot how to break down our bigger goals? I mean, how do we break them down? I mean, is well, there a I special mean, the, way, so to speak? Yeah, the, the easiest way to break down a goal is to use data. Um, data is the most honest thing in the universe. Um, emotions are amazing and they're also terrible liars. So I'm a huge, I'm not a data guy either. I'm a creative writer. Like it's not, it's not what I like necessarily, but when you have data, I I like to say the phrase I put in the book is that data kills denial, which prevents disaster. So a lot of times when I sit down with people, especially entrepreneurs and I go, show me your goal for the year. And they'll say, I'm going to make $2 million. And then I'll say, well, show me the plan. 
at some stage in the plan, they're counting on a miracle occurring. And I'm not, I'm just, I love miracles. Don't get me wrong. I just don't want your plan to be full of them. We're like, and then at this point, George Clooney will discover my product and we'll talk about it. And you go, oh man, I hope that happens, but it's probably not going to happen. Right, right. So I love to sit down with young entrepreneurs and go, let's just walk through the data. Like not your hopes, not your, not your passions, but the actual data. And if they say, okay, I'm going to sell this many units and I'll go, okay, well show me, show me your conversion rate currently. And they go, okay, I got a 2% conversion rate. And I go, okay, you got a thousand units you're going to sell. 2%, you'd need this size audience. How big's your audience right now? And they go, oh, it's one one hundredth of that. And then you go, oh, so you're probably, you're probably not going to sell that many. So I love to go in with some, some sense of data and go, let's have, you know, I just want your goal to be honest. Whether you have a big company or a small company, if your goal is honest, you have a much better chance of actually doing it. The problem is that a lot of leaders think they have to have aggressive goals that aren't honest. And what I always say is that the boardroom, the break room tells the truth that the boardroom doesn't. So in the boardroom, everybody goes, that's a great goal. And in the break room, they go, this guy's crazy. Right. Like, this is the worst goal ever. We're never going to hit it. And you have this culture of distrust. Mm, mm, I love it. Okay. So from the from the research that you did on the book then, I mean, you say you sort of you slam it together quite nicely with, with the data, with the humor, and all the rest of it. I mean, what were some of the two or three sort of big aha, holy moly, I can't believe that's true moments from the data. I'm curious to know what, what sort of pricked your ears up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest moments um, was the importance of fun. Um, a lot of people don't understand the ROI of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I was curious about that because the problem is, Chris, if I say to somebody, name the words that come to mind when you think of a goal, they go, discipline, hard work, persistence, or, and they name like all right. these terrible words. Hustle. I mean, there we go. There's one. Grind. Right. I got to grind. And, <laughs> and so I realized that a lot of people think a goal has to be difficult to count. And so they don't add fun. So for instance, I'm going to, people come up to me all the time and say, I'm going to lose weight. And I go, how? And they go, I'm going to run. And I go, do you like running? And they go, no, I hate it. That's how I know it's good. And you go, that's a terrible, like, you're going to quit that. You're going to hate that. And right. I mean, even like one of my favorite kind of jokes to talk about is part of the reason adventure races are so popular is that we think you have to be tortured for something to be count. And like in the Tough Mudder adventure race, they electrocute you with live wires. Like that's a thing that you paid for. Like every other part of your day, you're trying to not get electrocuted. On Tough Mudder day, you pay for that experience. Like we're obsessed with difficult goals. So we studied fun. And when you study when you study things with a research focus, you look at two ideas, satisfaction level, performance. Now, a good principle has to raise both. If I raise your satisfaction but not your performance, Chris, you're smiling all the way to last place. Right. If I raise your performance but not your satisfaction, you're the rich, successful, miserable person that you and I know many of. So I have to raise both. So if you make your goal fun, and it's important that you say make it. I'm not saying have fun because let's be honest, a lot of the stuff you and I have to do is not fun. Like budgeting is not fun. Like there's hard things, but you have to find the fun. And if, if you make it fun, you're 31% more satisfied. But the big one to me was you're 43% more successful. So if somebody said, you know, that's what I loved because the most popular goal setting method in the last 50 years has been smart goals, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, time bound. 
tell me which of those words speaks the fun. Like nobody goes on vacation <laughs> goes, it was so fun to go on vacation. It was time bound. I knew when it was right. going to end. Right. Like, so me adding fun to the mix is part of what I think makes this book different because there's a lot of goal setting books. Very few of them have the data, but also the, Hey, like if you don't enjoy it, you won't do it. And here's why. So let me ask you, Sin. I mean, how how did you add fun into the process of finishing finish, for example? Yeah. So scientists look at motivation in two kind of big buckets. There's fear motivation and reward motivation. Um, so let's let's use a health example because that's easy. If I go to the doctor and the doctor knows I'm fear motivated, he needs to say to me, "Hey, if you don't lose weight, you're gonna get diabetes and you're gonna not be around to walk your daughter down the aisle." If I'm reward motivated, he needs to say, hey, if you lose weight, you'll be able to go on all the water slides with your son this summer because you'll be in the weight limit and you'll be able to hike Cinque Terre in Italy with your wife like you guys have always wanted to do. Right. So same with employees. There's every employer listening to this right now has had an employee that they really liked and they motivated them the wrong way. So they brought him and they said, hey, if you don't get your act together, you're going to lose your job. But that person's motivated by a reward so they didn't hear it. Or they brought him in and said, hey – we're going to give you a bonus and more money, and that person's not motivated that way. So a big part of adding fun is figuring out how do I get motivated. So with the book finishing, I said when I finish this draft, I'm going to buy my own pair of ski boots. Like I've, I've recently started skiing again, downhill skiing, and boots are the worst to rent. They feel like torture devices, and I said <laughs> I'm going to buy my own pair of boots. Now, could I have bought them the day I made that goal? Of course, but I tied a fun reward to that. Now, on the flip side – I prepare speeches with a lot of effort because I'm fear motivated in the sense of my worst nightmare is I have an hour long speech and I'm done in 10 minutes. And then it's just 50 minutes of me up there under hot lights. Now, those are two different things, but a big part of it is figuring out what's my motivation here. Mm. God, I love it. So good. I, aren't you scared? I mean, quick personal question. I have been yeah. – for the longest time, I could have done it at high school. I could have done it during the one year I did at college before I dropped out. I could have done it countless times since as an entrepreneur traveling around the world and all the rest of it. But I've never skied. And the reason why is I'm scared to death of having a horrific accident because you just see it all the time in the news and on tv and whatnot how do you overcome that fear man i've got to ask from a personal perspective now i think more than anything else it's beautiful like it's beautiful i mean i I get it i get it i wear a helmet i wear a helmet um i ski within my limits um you know and it's like any it's i'm I'm working on a blog post right now um about go go be terrible at something like i just started cycling and dude i suck at cycling like i'm the worst like i don't mean so like i went out today with seven people and and they before we had barely left our neighborhood on the ride they were 100 yards ahead of me like i'm just i'm not good like obviously i know the mechanics of riding a bike but i just don't have the right stamina i don't have great form like i don't know the gears very well like the only time I was with other people is when like the one guy would be nice and would come go slow with me. <laughs> so like, so I look at skiing and I go, yeah, skiing's it's, I'm sure there's a fear element to it, but like you don't start on like the mogul black diamond. Like you start on the, what's barely a slope. Sure. Um, and it's just, you. yeah, I think it's, it's so beautiful. It's difficult. Like I live in Nashville. There's not a, you've been here. Like there's no ski hills in Nashville. Right, um, right. but I, I mean, man, I, I, I didn't do it for 10 years and then 
I was I just realized I need to add that back into the mix. And I, I bought my own skis for the first time. Like, I love it. Oh, well, that's good. I'm happy for you. That's good. We we all need something to take. I feel like we need something to be able to take ourselves away from what we do on a day to day basis, particularly when it's work related. Um, for me, I rediscovered my love, and this is back from my childhood days of Lego. A few years ago, um, my little boy at the time was about five or six years old. He was young enough to realize that he shouldn't put everything in his mouth anymore. So we got him his first Lego set, first real Lego set, not the big chunky bricks. Right. Yeah. And I sat there and I think I enjoyed it more than he did. And since then, you know, we've, we that's one of our favorite things to do is to go out, go to the toy store, pick up a Lego set, come back home and make it together. But, you know, I've also gone ahead and bought big sets for myself to work on just for me. And it was my birthday just last week. My wife picked up the Lego creator set of Big Ben and the Houses oh, of yeah, Parliament. Yeah. And dude, it's like yeah. 4,000 pieces, man. This thing's a monster. It's going to take me forever to make. But, I, but, but you know what? When I'm there and I'm building with him or on my own, I forget about everything else. Probably just like you do when you're sliding down a slope somewhere. You know. Oh, yeah. I went by myself. I mean, I have a yeah. buddy who lives in Salt Lake, and I went one day with him. The next day was just me, and I, I found, like, a bunch of trails in the woods, and it was dead empty, and it was gorgeous, and I just... That's cool. Yeah, I really... I don't know. I It's one of those, but I didn't do it for so long, and then it was like, wait a second. Like, this is a thing that gives me joy, and I, you know, it was... You know, and, I, and the difficulty of it kind of adds to it for me. Like, sure. you could do a 100-piece Lego set, but, like, the four thousand one is that's a fun that's a fun challenge, yeah, you know, and yeah. and keep you know sorting the pieces and you know you work it with a lot of pixels, so you like a lot of us don't get to uh, see our work add up necessarily. That's right. why, like in America, there's a lot of a lot of digital people who love mowing their lawn because they get to see their work actually like. I did that. I hear. And you. I think like Lego gives you the same sense. Absolutely, couldn't agree. So, so to wrap up the ski um, sort of rabbit hole there. Then, what is your goal now with your skiing? Like, where where are you finishing? What's your first goal on that side of things for yourself? Yeah, is it just so, to buy the boots, or I mean, was are we going a little further now? <laughs> no, and I you know, and I bought skis when I finished the next round of the book. So, I mean, like little goals are: I still need bindings. I still need to kind of complete you know i still need poles i need a sure. helmet but i would say a bigger a, the big goal like way down is like to ski the top 10 or 20 best resorts in america that's cool um, there we go a small goal is to increase the days i ski each year so like last that. year i did five days so this year i'd like to do seven days now that's not a gig like that's not gigantic that means one more trip but it does mean i have to plan it i have to figure it out and i have to block sure. off the days and so those are, you know, but I definitely, I definitely have goals around them because I just, at this age, I'm 41, things don't happen organically really. Like right. they, I either help them happen or I can't live by jazz anymore where it's right. like, it just kind of dynamically flows. That's yeah. I mean, you're, no, you're a husband, you're a dad, you've got responsibilities it is what it is, right? At the end of the day. Exactly. So yeah, yeah that, that, but I mean, I do legit, I legit have some goals around that. That's for sure. Good. I love it. Okay. So get back to the book then as we kind of wrap up here then. So, I mean, 
Give us give us sort of one or two sort of major takeaways from the book. And, we're, and guys, we're not going to give you everything. You've got to buy the bloody book, obviously, right? So, but give us two or three, two or three, you know, sort of closing thoughts here in regards to the general message of the book and why you're so happy that you wrote it at this point in your career. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm happy I wrote it at this point in my career because it's the I think it's the biggest need I see. Mm-hmm. Um, I say to people all the time, starting's fun, but the future belongs to finishers. Um, so I, I think there's the, the biggest need. Um, you know, I, I've been reading a lot. I read a lot of James Altucher because um, I think he's just a genius. And he was talking about in America for the first time in like 20 years, the income is going down. Mm-hmm. Um, so people ask me, you know, you're a dad. People ask me all the time, what's a message you'd give your kids? And a message I give my kids all the time is the old rules don't apply. Hmm. And like, why am I excited about it? Because the internet is still brand new. Yes. Like when pe- people sometimes are like, oh, I missed my window. Oh my gosh, barely. Like you did not. Like we barely scratched the surface. So I'm trying to tell my kids, I'm trying to tell other people, there's so much money and so many opportunities and so many ways to serve people. And so, you know, we've, we've barely started. And so that's what I like about the book is that it puts that into your hands. Um, and then here's, I guess here's the thing I'd tell people. When you, when you make a goal, it's not just a goal. It's a promise. And you've made a promise to yourself. And when you don't complete it, you've broken that promise. And it'd be like if somebody, if you had a friend, Chris, that said, hey, let's grab coffee. And they didn't show up five different times. You wouldn't trust that friend on time six. So everyone listening right now that's not good at goals, the reason you don't feel good about goals is because you've, you've broken your promise to yourself ten times. And eventually that feels really terrible. And it really hurts your next time because the next time you try, say it's January 1st, you go, I'm going to lose weight. You, your mind goes, oh, yeah, sure. Just like last year. Yeah, I'll see you in like two weeks. And you doubt yourself. It's a horrible feeling to lie to the person you spend the most time with, which is you. So that's my hope for the book is that it'll turn us into promise keepers. Well, I'm sure it will be. I'm currently about halfway through the advanced copy that your publisher sent me. I've been thoroughly enjoying it um i'm i'm now i think i'm about halfway through chapter five or so so I, guys for you guys that have been tuning in today with john clearly you know by now he's a smart guy as well as a big skier so uh send him random photos of people skiing on twitter and make fine. sure <laughs> and make let's sure it. in fact let's have some fun with a hashtag i like to do this every now and then. so hashtag john the skier j-o-n the skier Send any oh. random tweet to John at John A. Uh, am I right, John Acuff on Twitter? Yeah. J- okay. Yep. J O N A C U F F. Perfect. At John Acuff, at Chris Ducker, hashtag John the Skier. Let's see what we can do to jazz up John's day. Um, and John, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. I wish you all the best with the book. It's been a great read so far, and I can't wait to finish it myself sometime very, very soon. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. All right, for you guys for tuning in, thank you. Uh, show notes as always over at chrisducker.com forward slash episode 238. If you enjoyed today's show, I'd love for you to check out the Youpreneur Mastermind community. It's the go-to resource for everyone wanting to build a profitable, future-proof business based around their experience and those that they want to serve. So whether you're just starting out or if you've been working hard on your personal brand and building your online platform for a while, the Youpreneur Mastermind community can help you take everything you've been doing to the next level. 
with lots of training, live mastermind calls, and thriving community forums where you can get the feedback, advice, and more energy and encouragement than you'll know what to do with, the Youpreneur Mastermind community is the perfect place for anyone wanting to learn how to build, market, and monetize their personal brand. For more info and to get started on your new Youpreneur journey, head over to youpreneur.com forward slash mastermind today. I'll see you on the inside.